Hello, listener. Welcome to Fighting Failure, the podcast where we discuss solutions to the climate crisis. This is episode Pi, all about space travel. Now, you may have noticed that Pi is not exactly an integer. It is, in fact, a transcendental number. So when we have episodes with funny numbers like this, it means it's a short, fun bonus episode because there's not enough about space travel to make a full episode. So we just have sort of a short bonus one for you guys. So for this episode, I'm your host, Oscar Archibald. And I'm your co-host, Sonia Stapleton. And I'm your other co-host, Hisham Kanan. So as I've said, in this episode, we will be discussing the problems with space travel in relation to climate change, as well as the solutions for these, these problems. So make sure to listen to the first couple of episodes in this series to get the full introduction on this topic about transportation. There'll be a link in the show notes, as always. Um, and so if you'll remember from the first episode, we were looking at this, this chart, which was showing the what percentage of emissions from transportation come from different types of transportation. So it was like road is about 50%, just less. Aviation and shipping make up about 12% each. Um, but I, I looked at it very closely and space travel doesn't seem to be on this chart. So um, at least at the moment, space travel has a very negligible impact on climate change just because there's so few rocket launches. With that out of the way, let's get started with the issues with rockets. There are... There are two main issues with space travel, debris and emissions from burning fuel. So debris is when you have bits of rocket that explode and maybe you rain down on the earth, potentially causing environmental damage, or they go up into the atmosphere, they do their job in space, but then they just fall apart after a long time. And the problem with this, it is, it is polluting outer space, because all these tiny objects that have fallen apart are just going round and round the earth's orbit, and, and this can cause huge problems, both when they return to earth, um, potentially coming through the atmosphere, but also they can puncture other spacecraft and create huge problems there. And while at the moment debris doesn't seem to be a huge environmental issue, if we continue to launch rockets and uh, debris goes unchecked, it really could cause huge issues. And naturally, the other main issue with space travel is about the burning fuel. If you've ever seen a rocket launch, just these huge plumes of smoke coming up from those boosters, and that is all harmful chemicals going into our atmosphere. There are also other emissions that are directly incurred by the space industry. Emissions from production of components and also emissions from extraction or transportation of fuel and emissions from transportation of components to the launch site. So this isn't exactly emissions that are caused by the rocket itself, but it's caused by the production process of the yeah. rocket or moving the rocket to the launch site, um, especially in Russia. they have to. It's actually pretty cool. They put their Soyuz rocket on the train transport it to the launch site uh, and I don't think it's an electrical train so that's that's going to cause emissions as well as well as this this fuel that they need to bring to the launch site and of course production of components so if you'll remember from our first episode where we talked about electric vehicles we said that while an EV doesn't create emissions while it's actually on the road it's not creating emissions but the extraction of fuel I guess is the equivalent of creating the electricity from potentially not green sources and the production of components, um, the production of an EV can still have significant environmental impacts, even if driving it around doesn't. So this is sort of the same with spacecraft, although spacecraft do admit while they're moving as well. So as, as we've talked about before, the, there's a very negligible climate impact from spacecraft just because there's so few of them. So I guess at the moment we can just sort of kind of accept it since it is such a small amount of emissions. But... So just like with the airplane industry that we talked about last episode, the biggest, sorry, two episodes ago, the, the biggest threat is the expansion of space travel. Space travel is getting cheaper with launch companies like SpaceX, Blue Origin, other private launch companies. It's getting cheaper, so more people are wanting to use it. And this is not good. 
this is not good because it creates so many emissions that we really don't want to have. Rockets are hugely polluting, and at the moment we can only accept it because maybe 10, 20, 30 launch every year, compared to millions of aeroplane flights. We can just accept that there's this small amount of emissions. But we, if it grows too big, then it can cause serious harm to our planet. Yeah, and um, Elon Musk's SpaceX Starship's aims for to make space travel the replacement for airplanes is completely unacceptable. It would create huge amounts of emissions and completely, like, triple, mul- completely multiply, yeah. Sorry, reverse all our progress. Um, and I just cannot believe that this is coming from Elon Musk. The same person who made Tesla, the same person who made, is it like Solar City, the solar panel installation company? He is also making these rockets that are supposed to replace aeroplanes. Imagine how many emissions that would create, how much emissions that would create. It would just, it would just completely reverse any progress that we have made on climate change. And boy, we have not made very much. It would be hugely devastating. And that's, I'm just really sad to see that, that uh, I, I know Elon Musk, he dreams big, he wants to go to Mars, all of this stuff. And I also know he cares about climate change, but I don't know how he can reconcile those two. Anyway, those are those are the main problems with space travelers. Emissions from burning the fuel, creating the fuel, creating the rocket, transporting those things, as well as potentially debris in Earth's orbit. Now we're going to talk about the solutions for these problems. So two main issues with space travel are debris and emissions from the burning of the fuel, of course, to propel the rocket. How can we sort of fix this issue of debris? Now, there's a few things we need to do. First of all, we need to control the ways in which defunct spacecraft are dealt with. At the moment, basically, space agencies just put these satellites in Earth's orbit and then just leave them. There's sort of no escape plan. Sometimes they'll say, oh, it'll burn up in the atmosphere. But there's lots of cases where it just ends up breaking apart and flying around the Earth, potentially um, injuring astronauts or creating a, a hazard for those who might be in orbit as well. There's already so so many pieces of debris that we sort of have to have a way to remove these pieces of debris from orbit as well. So this is a this is a field where there's sort of quite a lot of emerging technology, but we're really not sure. I think I read an article about a Swiss spacecraft that was going to basically be a garbage truck for low Earth orbit. I guess it's a bit like emissions in that once they're out there, they're much easier to create than they are to get rid of. Then, of course, there's also emissions from burning fuel. As I said before, I'm willing to forgive this as long as it sort of stays at its current level. But if it expands too much, that, that can really be a problem, as we said before. However, I, I do think it would be reasonable to ask space agencies to offset their emissions through the planting of trees. So space agencies should be obligated to offset their emissions. I think that is a reasonable request to have, um, considering that there's very small amount of launches However, I do also want to take into consideration that space agencies don't get a huge amount of funding. As we said, there are also other emissions that are indirectly incurred by the space industry, which was production of components, extraction or transportation of fuel, and transportation of components to the launch site. There's really not much to say here. I I suppose you could use carbon capture um, in these production facilities, but that's not an area where I've researched in depth in terms of preventing preventing carbon emissions from industry. Um, In terms of transportation, I think this this one's much easier to do. You just have you have a hydrogen truck, an electric truck, electric trains, hydrogen trains. You know, there's there's all sorts of um, answers to how to transport things in a in a really climate friendly way. I believe NASA actually uses ships to transport some of their components to the launch site. Yeah. Um. So maybe they could use a sail powered ship like the good old days. Yeah. So we also talked about the threat of the expansion of space travel. And we talked about SpaceX Starship, which is sort of this this idea that we could replace replace aeroplanes with 
rockets that go up into orbit around and then back down, which would greatly reduce travel times. But we need to reduce plane travel. We need to reduce this kind of crazy fast need for travel. Um, and so in terms of this, I, I think we need petitions to try and block this. Um, so space travel is about exploration and pushing the frontiers of our exploring our universe. The, if it were to become a commodity like, like Elon Musk envisions, because then it will lose all its specialness. There's something special about, about exploring this universe, and I, I sort of don't want to waste that. And also it's hugely unsustainable to be, be boosting up rockets. It is, is looking for a home on Mars a sign that we're really not sure we can reverse climate change? I think that, I think that the, all the, you know, the, the money going into finding a planet B, I think it's a waste when we have such a perfect planet already. I think that there needs to be more money going into protecting our planet and conserving our nature than rather, you know, exploring space to try and find another planet which we could inhabit and potentially destroy again. You know, that's, it's not worth it. Stick to planet A. Yeah, it's not, it's not a sustainable cycle. Planet A is the best planet we've got. Now we've talked about the solutions to the problems that space travel incurs on our climate. Now we're going to move on to Fighting Failure Video Club. <laughs> In this episode, we've got a video by Mark Grober, science YouTuber. He has millions and millions of subscribers. Um, and this, this video is called, Is NASA a Waste of Money? Um, and, he, and he gives us five reasons that NASA is not a waste of money. So I wanted to discuss that on the podcast today. So the first thing he sort of says is that Americans think NASA takes 20% of the budget. Uh, and therefore, a quarter of Americans think NASA should get less money. What percentage of the budget do you think NASA takes? Uh, about... 0.5% maybe? Yeah, that's right. If you had a dollar, it would be half a penny. It's a very small amount. It comes up to about $9 a year for the average American. Um, obviously less if you don't pay tax, more if you do pay more tax. But I think that's important to bear in mind is that it is not a strain on the budget. Is, uh, the military, for example, takes 16%. So you could um, have 32 NASAs for the, if, for the same amount of budget as the military. So that's important to keep in mind, first of all. But obviously, that's that's sort of less climate related. And so it gives us five reasons that NASA is not a waste of money. So the first one is improve life on Earth. Uh, and so uh, he, he was talking about this this satellite called SMAP, which measures soil mo- moist levels and gives that data to the governments for free. And it costs $900 million, which I know you're thinking, oh, my gosh, that is a lot of money. But with that much money, you could feed Africa for one day. That's all. But... By making this satellite, you are empowering Africa to make its own food for decades. Kisho, I know, I know your dad is working on, I guess it's deforestation, it's slightly different, but I guess what, what do you think about this in terms of long term? Yeah, I mean, he, he was, uh, in his last project here, he was uh, trying to counteract deforestation. And in his current project, he's trying to help uh, local Malawians come up with ways to, uh, you know, to, to cook rather than using just firewood in the forest. So that's also related to deforestation. Mm. and. Something which is it's important is you know the deforestation here it's causing it's causing immense uh, soil erosion and that erosion is it's taking its toll. So in in NASA uh, spending that money to monitor you know uh, soil moisture it it's it's making a big difference because you can actually you 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 know how well you're doing you know you can you can see changes throughout the years and and you know which areas you need to focus on. And it's it's uh, it's critical to provide that information to the governments for the governments to be able to take action to counter that. 
So the next point he made was extinction protection. Um, and I think this is sort of a less less exciting point. It was about watching out for asteroids. You know, if an asteroid's coming, we're not really going to be doing anything about it. But if it's huge, there's this sort of region between if it's really huge, you'd be able to see it coming. And if it's really small, it has a negligible impact. But there's this sort of mid- middle range where it's, I guess, the Goldilocks asteroid in terms of destroying us. Too small, we can't see it. Too big, we can't avoid it. its impact. I'll link down to a v- video by Veritasium about, about this sort of asteroid impact. And, and I can see the reasoning behind that of, of NASA is looking after asteroids. But if even if we did find an asteroid, there's little we could do about it. I mean, I don't think that... You know, if, if an asteroid is, is hurtling in the direction of the planet, I don't I don't know how much there is that, you know, that that we could do to prevent that. You know, there, there's some, you know, we, we might be able to change the course, but, you know, that would take time and, and who knows how much time we would even have in that case. So, it's, I mean, you know, it, it is important to be ready for something catastrophic like that. But it, it's yeah, I mean, there's not much we could do, even if we did find out something like that was going to occur. Another point he made was to check if we could live on other planets. And I know you strongly disagree with this notion of, of looking for a planet. Yeah, B. I, I don't think that that's a yeah, I don't think I think that's kind of a waste of money to to be investigating other planets when we could be investigating our own. And you know, what's it's shocking is is we, we know more about, you know, outer space than we do know about the depths of the ocean. We, so that's the, we, we know more about outer space than we know about our own planet. That's shocking. You know, that's, that's really, really, that's, it, it's scary at, at the same time. Like, you know, I, I don't know how, you know, someone could be that devoted to space and, and you know, not give a care for the, the rest of the planet. You know, that just seems yeah. insane to me. So and, um, the third point he made was about offshoot technology. So he mentioned that satellites at first were just some crazy idea from uh, from NASA and I guess Roscosmos as well, the Rus- sorry, the Soviet space agency. Uh, now they do so much for us. GPS, GPS is just the one example I can think of right now, but there's a lot of things that satellites do now that, that we take for granted really it's it's quite incredible and if we didn't have nasa doing this this pioneering research maybe we wouldn't be able to have these sort of civilian offshoot technologies he showed a wikipedia page i haven't cross-referenced this but he said there are about 2000 technology spin-offs from nasa that uh that do a lot of good today yeah so i think that's a really valid point about once you're if you only put once you push the boundaries you can discover things that are actually really useful back on earth as well as improving our earth as well um the fourth he mentioned was economy he said NASA supports tens of thousands of jobs. This is not particularly pertinent to fighting failure, talking about the environment. Um, but I suppose, you know, it's, it's not exactly like the money is being dumped in outer space. This, the money that the government spends on NASA is, is staying in the country. It is supporting workers, high-skilled workers. Yeah, yeah. The, the fifth and final point he touched on was about exploration and imagination. When I watched, I thought it was, it was really encapsulating and really interesting to watch. But I just can't put it in words. I, I can't summarise it. So yeah. I'll just have to tell you to go watch that section, especially yourself. I'll link in show notes as always. So... Those are the five points he made. I think some of them are really interesting and really strong. Some of them are sort of less strong. I think it was a really good video to watch. So that is all we have for this episode of Fighting Failure. It was, of course, just a bonus episode, episode high, um, discussing space travel. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, maybe you could share it. We would really appreciate that. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye.